3: Can I do? Can I do the sexy voice? My my quad storm voice? Yes, please do that. Give us one. Okay. <clears throat> so after Rome, you know, you um, amazing uh, outro. Um, this has been uh, Peanut Tillman and Roman Harper, and thank you all for tuning in to the NFL Player Second X Podcast. We talk to y'all later. We out. Oh, that was nice. No, no,
4: <laughs> that was terrible. That was. That didn't do nothing to you? That didn't do anything. Like, it, you gave me no enthusiasm. Nothing. Nothing? Nothing. nothing. At least nope. act like hey. you're trying to sleep with me if you're going to do all that. Like, give me something. I I, I just did. That was it. That was my Hail Mary. <laughs> didn't do nothing to you. Get, no.
3: get that out of here. You got batted I down. I All right. I just got to work on it. <laughs> y'all for tuning in to this week's episode of the NFL Player Second Acts podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Peanut Tillman, and as always, I got my guy with me, the Deacon Roman Harper. What up,
0: Roman?
4: What's up, Peanut? And you don't always have me, because sometimes I actually go a little bit of a solo act on this thing. You Uh, do, you do. Last week, we had uh, Eric Wood, uh, the former Buffalo Bills center, great dude, amazing man of faith, uh, he has his own podcast. Really, really great dude. And also, he gave me a little bit of info, Peanut. He said, you know, what, Roman, write down three things you're thankful for every morning that you wake up. And you know what? I've, been, I've implemented this in my life, Peanut. It hasn't been a bad thing. How's that been going? It's been going pretty good. The only thing that's bad is that I put it on a dry race board in front of my mirror, my bathroom, and it wasn't like dry erase pen. So it's kind of been stuck there for like three days now. All right. Well, look, how about this? How about all the listeners out there? I want to say personally, thank you, Charles and I do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Could you continue to spread the word about this podcast? Give us, you know, a rating, a review, make sure you hit that follow button as well and to wherever else you listen to your podcast at whether it's Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio app, or wherever else you listen to, make sure you click subscribe to this podcast. We're gonna keep giving you more and more information, more and more former players talking about their all second acts and really diving into so much of their uh these former players' great lives. To all those
3: listening right now, um We don't have any guests today. Uh, We gon' we gon' it's just gonna be Roman and I. (laughs) We're the guests. We're 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 gonna attempt to interview each other. One, not difficult, but I know a lot about him, so I'm going to try to peel back some of the onion and get him to open up about some things that I possibly don't know. So we're gonna treat this like a normal. A normal episode and Rome
4: and I will be interviewing each other. All right, man. Don't don't be whispering, man. Making it all weird, bro. It's good. We're just gonna each other's second acts. We have we've asked all the questions. We haven't answered any. So I think this is a good time to like kind of dive in, peanut. Uh, let's yeah. do this thing, bro. You want to So let me let me give your uh let me I'll, I'll kick it off.
3: I first, like we do with everybody, I got to read your resume. So, you are a second-round draft pick out of the University of Alabama in Roll 2006. Tie. Played 11 years in the NFL. You made two pro bowls, been in two Super Bowls, you're one in one. Um you won the Super Bowl in 2009 with the Saints. Uh, recently inducted into the New Orleans Saints Hall of Fame. Uh, and now you're a broadcaster with the SEC Network and somewhat of a professional golfer in your own mind.
4: <laughs> Dude, that is, that is one of my goals, is that I just want to make the cut on the senior tour. Like, that's it. So I got to, I'm like 50, 60, 70. But I, and the best thing about making the cut is that there is no cut. So if I just show up, I'm going to make the cut. All right, let me read Peanut's <clears throat> resume. Are you ready for this? Peanut, he played 13- seasons in the NFL. He was also a two-time Pro Bowler and made a first-team All-Pro in 2012. He played in two Super Bowls. He won none. It's okay. All right. It, It happens. It wasn't his fault. In 2013, he was the Walter Payton Man of the Year, which is one of the best honors you can get throughout the NFL. Everybody knows about it. You actually get a special shield on your jersey from that moment on to carry on your legacy not everybody has that. So that's a special one right there. He's the creator of the peanut punch. He AKA now is a turnover liaison. I would say um, he kind of goes throughout the league and kind of helps teams create turnovers or preaches to them about that. He's also in the Louisiana sports hall of fame. That's really cool. Now he's an international man of mystery who's done TV He's had a book written about him, which we have in our house right now for our kids, and he runs the Charles Tillman Cornerstone Foundation.
3: So now that we got that all done, we got some good resumes. Uh, oh, hold, on, hold on, I got to ask
4: one question though. Yes, sir. Something that was on your resume: two Super Bowl losses. Which one hurt more? Ah, uh, probably the second one because I didn't.
3: I didn't get a chance to play in it. Yeah, and I, I really think that I'm not going to say I was a missing piece to us winning Super Bowl 50. But I, I really think that – I think I could have helped. Well, there's no doubt you could have helped. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I think I could have – I think I could have helped. And it, it hurt more because I wasn't actually on the field. I, I tore my ACL the mm-hmm. last game of the season. But if I could do it all over again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything. You know, I was – I partially tore my ACL, I don't know, halfway through the season, sat out three weeks and just said, you know what, this is a great team. I'm rolling the dice. I know – what it's partially torn. It'll never heal. I'll have to get it healed or repaired at one point. I'm a roll of dice. And I'm proud enough to say that I actually played five games with a partially torn ACL in the National Football League, and I still held it down. Punching out balls, getting interceptions. Like, I still was able to do my job. And I literally put everything on the line for that, that 2015 season for us in Carolina. And great group of guys, great group of men. You and I, uh, just the, the entire city of Charlotte, that was, a, that was a very special year for myself and my family. You know, it was a good time.
4: It, it, it was great. I got to meet your family for really the first time uh, in that one season that you came here. Our wives hit it off. We're great friends, still continue to be great friends. You know, I, I remember when you partially torn your ACL, which there is no partially for all those out there. You can't partially tear ACL. Like, well, you can, but it's a torn ACL at the end of the day. Uh, You were a true warrior. I couldn't believe that you actually came back and played some games after it. Uh, You had a huge knee brace on. And just the fact of uh, you continued to battle through for that, man, it really meant the world to that team, to us as a a group. And uh, I got a better understanding of who you are. And I just want the people to know that. I didn't think you were going to say Carolina, but since you did, I just want to put that out there that my man battled through it and nobody knew until it was all dead and gone. Why
3: don't we uh, tell tell everyone how you and I – I feel like this is a date. This feels so weird. But, like, how – because I was going to say how our relationship started. <laughs> but that sounds that sounds so wrong.
4: Our friendship started literally, literally because we were in the same small group, breakout group at PAO, which is this Christian conference where the NFL puts on and, well, outside the NFL, but it's mostly NFL guys. And then we bring in all these speakers and sing. And it was really great. And all of a sudden, the the, the the conversation started opening up. And I knew who you were, but I never got a chance to meet you. And it was uh really good to just lean on you and lean on some other couples right there. And we started to build a friendship. And yeah. and then from there, we really didn't talk a lot. And then all of a sudden, you became my teammate. And we just like hit it off. We are the two older guys in the room. And the funny thing about it all was that um, Peanut was like the happy-go-lucky person, I would say, in the room. Like always joking, kept everything loose. He had the corners, I had the safeties. And that's what we did. And and me and Peanut hung out and became thick as thieves, bro. We hung out all the time. I I truly, truly, uh, our friendship has only grown since then. And our families as well. Like all our families know each other and they all hang out. They all get along. It's great. All the kids, everybody. So
3: after that season, I I had to call it quits. Okay, hold on. Before you
4: get there, I want to ask you one more thing about this 2015 season. Okay, and that is that I want I want one or two great stories from that season, because I don't think people understand that that 2015 Panthers team was a team that kind of like took the NFL by storm. Um, oh yeah. They, we burst on the scene. We weren't even supposed to be that good. We weren't that good the year before we did limp into the playoffs and won a playoff game with seven, eight, and one. And then go yeah. up. Uh, we traded for Jared Allen at one point in the season. So we had like this great group of like older guys who really did some cool stuff. And so I want, and it was a funny team. Everybody remembers Cam Newton dabbing and, but we had the whole world dabbing at one point in time. Tell me like one or two hilarious stories from that season or from that locker room? Because it, it's plenty to go along. Um, the alligator. Oh, I was going to say, if you didn't bring up that one, I was going to do that one. That was, I still got the, video the, of that. So
3: our offensive coordinator. Mike Shula. Mike Shula, he tells us a story about the 72 Dolphins with his old man, Don Shula. And to sum it all up, someone had put an alligator in Don Shula's uh, shower. For the '72 Dolphins, they had that perfect season, right? He tells us the same story. We lose the game, we lost to Atlanta, so now we're like thirteen and one. we were fourteen or fourteen and one. Excuse me. Everyone got super uptight, in, you know, the building, the coaches, the players, all this. So I went out and bought this this fake alligator, and I said, you know what? I'm gonna loosen everybody up. I throw this alligator in Coach Rivera's locker. And I get there at like five that morning. Fast forward, I'm telling you, and Kurt is like, yo, I just put this fake alligator in Rivera's Chico's locker, man. It's going to be hilarious. And all of a sudden, you see Coach Rivera walk around the corner, and he's barefoot in his shirt. side. he's always got his shirt tucked in. And he comes around the corner looking like Edward James almost from damn Stand and Deliver. And he starts walking toward us, and he was like, you, get over here. And I was like, oh, and I, i'm not gonna lie i got scared it was like you know when your old man tell you something you get scared like you in trouble and i'm i'm at this i'm 34 years old i'm a grown ass man but i was nervous and he walks up to me and i was like i need to lie did you put that alligator on my my shower and i was like yes it, uh, yes sir and he was like god dang man that thing scared the hell out of me dog man you should have recorded that thing and then he proceeds to tell us he was like yeah i got I was finna get in the shower. Yeah. He's like, I got naked. And then I turned the light on and then I go in the shower and I see that thing. And he goes, I just screamed and threw my towel on the alligator and I literally just ran out. And then he was like, it had to be peanut.
4: Look, so, man, so. I still got videos from, cause that alligator continued to travel on that day and got like three or four other people got Wilkes, got Josh Norman. I got all those on video too bad. We didn't get Rivera on tape, but everybody else got, got, I'm glad you shared that story, but all that being said, Peanut, when did you know it was time to retire? Like, how did you know? I know you were injured your last year. Was it because of the injury? You just like, you know what? Super Bowl loss. I can't keep dragging my family here and there. What was it?
3: Yeah, um, I definitely the the knee. The uh, torn ACL year 34 or a 13th season. I was 34 years old, 35, whatever. There was no way another team was gonna um, bring me back, so I didn't even attempt to to try. I was already had a somewhat of a bad knee anyway, mm-hmm. you know, going into my thirteenth season when I was in Carolina. So it was, yeah. I just that was that was what I knew. The thing about retiring though is you never retire when you want to. There's only a a, a group of a few individuals who can retire when they want to. And what I mean by that is, had I not torn my ACL, mm-hmm. had I been healthy and we won Super Bowl 50, no doubt I would have retired. The people that retire the way they want to, in my opinion, are the ones, a lot of the ones, they they win, you know, Ray Lewis is a prime example. He, I think he did it on his own terms. Um, John Elway. Uh, John Elway, Peyton Manning. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was how I envisioned going out, winning a championship and just like, you know what? It took me 13 years. I finally got one. I'm out and just ride right off in the sunset. I wish I would have been able to do that. But unfortunately, Father Tom and the injuries, they play a, a large role in in this. But w- what about you, though? When, when did you feel you knew it was time to retire? Because you went on. You went back to New
4: Orleans. Yeah. Um, and played another year. Right. Well, I was ready to retire after the Super Bowl in Carolina. I thought we were just going to win and then I could just, you know, right off in the sunset we me and you holding hands just you know putting the helmets down together we were just going to be out i didn't want to because i played 10 years at that point i I didn't care about much more than that i thought it was going to be a perfect ending and i could go out on my own terms like you said but then we lost the game uh and i just in my mind i didn't think god god was telling me like okay i don't think this is it for you and and um Like I played this game since I've been in fourth grade and like a Super Bowl loss has got to be my last time I'm on the actual field playing on the grass. I didn't I just that would have been a terrible (laughs) way to go for me for as much as I put into this game. So I I, kind of just kept working out. Then my former teammate, uh, Will Smith, got killed that offseason. And so I was back in funerals and all that other stuff and being back around the Saints organization for the first time kind of heavily. And uh, Sean Payton started talking to me, and you know, wondering like what I was going to do. Did I, you know, possibly maybe coming back? He had a plan or a vision or something. I'm like, I don't really know. I don't want to go back. And uh, but I, I bit the bullet and I did, and it was the greatest thing for me just because I got to go back home. I got to uh, rekindle some some great relationships with people back in that building and back in the organization. And yeah. and because of that, it, it all turned out the way it was supposed to. Anyway, so and then I went did back. Did you and then leave I, North
3: Carolina? Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. Did you leave New Orleans like on bad terms? Yeah.
4: With the team? I, yes, I did. I left. They they had drafted a guy the year before and then they wanted him to start being playing. And I was hurt. And so it's not like he really beat me out. They just kind of just put him in. And I yeah. felt very disrespected after giving the organization uh, eight years of everything that you have. And then, you know, how it is like you said, father time is who it is. And people upstairs make decisions and and then they make the move. And then I go and. You know, beat them three out of four times in Carolina. We win the division twice. It was great. It was more of, like, the biggest, like, you know, middle finger. Slap and, yeah, slap slap yeah. right back at you, you know, like so. You, I'm going to show yeah. y'all.
3: But don't you think when you you play or form a team, you have more motivation? Oh, 1,000% you do. I mean, you want to beat them. You know, that them. player is like, man, I'm going to show y'all. Y'all never should have let me go. Y'all yeah. should have gave me the money or you should have let me start.
4: Yeah, yeah, I, all of I, I think of that. teams know that, too. Um. But, you know, that was all part of it. And, you know, you learn how to let bygones be bygones at the end of the day, and then you just keep it moving. And so being able to go back was really cool, Peanut, because, you know, it was like the 50-year anniversary for the New Orleans Saints that year. And I was one of, like, three players that was, like, on the all-50 team that were still currently playing. And so, you know, for my parents to get to go down on the field with my wife and my kids and be celebrated – it was really cool cuz my wife was like your dad I've never seen him smile so hard when he was on the field getting getting recognized with all these other great players. So it, it's really cool to let everybody else do that. Now a lot about our careers. Let's talk about the after the career. What kind of happens, Peanut? And that is the yeah. transition. And mm-hmm. so, why do you think so many players have such a hard time transitioning from the game uh once they retire? Um I know just the other day on uh, PTI, uh, Booger McFarlane was saying that he saw the game as a means to an end and right. said that the money, once the money didn't make sense for him anymore, it was time to go. So for him, it was monetarily. What is that transition period like and why is it so tough, you believe?
3: I think for everyone, it's different. Uh, I, I think at the same time, for me, I felt like I was institutionalized. okay, In the sense of I've been doing it since seventh grade. So I was I had this schedule for so long. And I've been used to that schedule. And then my last play in the NFL was me falling down and like tearing my ACL. And that was that was like really difficult. Like, dang, that's that's literally the last play. And so fast forward you're transitioning. Um, I think I struggled in the sense of I just didn't want to be done. Like I still felt like I had more to to give and I was hyper competitive, super competitive. I still wanted to compete. I still wanted to play football. And I couldn't. So my mistake was when I transitioned from league to regular life, um I didn't give myself enough time off. No time to decompress. I didn't give myself any time to to basically grieve my injury. Yeah. I didn't give myself enough time to just like celebrate my career and just take time and just just kind of come down. I, I I know for some guys and um when they do come back from like overseas, they do a, a tour or deployment. And I'm not speaking for everyone who who has been overseas and 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 been on um deployments or whatnot, but from a few guys that I've talked to, they need a little bit of time to decompress to kind of get adjusted back to the regular world. Yeah because your mind is on something else when you're overseas when you're in the sandbox but then when you come back here it's i think people expect you just to be normal and and just step back into society, step back into society and 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 just be normal and i think that was what i did and i should have just taken a step back meaning take a year off take 6 months yeah and just figure out what do i really want to do yeah what are you passionate about yeah and i didn't i didn't do that because i felt like i just had to keep going and keep going and keep doing things why do you whoa, whoa, did. Why,
4: do, why do you feel like you have to just keep going and keep going keep going
3: i'm wired that way like i'm, I'm high energy high sprung i don't want to sit down i don't want to sit still and that was probably my biggest mistake was like i i, I probably felt like i should have just sat down for six months to a year or just take just take the season mm-hmm. just take that season off and just just decompress just chill figure out what you really want to do hang out with the wife hang out with the kids uh be be the stay at home dad you know i'm good i'm i'm good now but i think because i was just so go 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 it hurt me in a in a lot of ways and if i could whoever's listening that would be my advice for for someone who played a long career mm-hmm. is just take, yeah, man, take six months and just figure out life and like, all right, now what's next? I've, I've, I had this amazing career. Now what do I really want to do? And I think that's why I'm, I'm envious of you because you actually, you actually did that. Yeah. You took, how long did you take off?
4: 365 days to the day. I said, I'm
3: 365 days to the day.
4: Yeah. I yeah. did absolutely nothing. Whatever I didn't do, I wanted to do something that day, and I didn't get it done. I just do it the next day. It's okay. That was literally my but mentality. I've, I but I've never like, been like that, though. You know,
3: and that's, that's what I'm saying. It was hard.
4: Like, it was hard. But I I promised myself this is what I wanted to do. And yeah. I had people ask me, why don't you try and do this? Why don't you do this? And I'm like, I'm taking 365 days and do nothing. But the person that gave me that advice was the GM of the New Orleans Saints, Mickey Loomis. He told me that. He said, before you do anything, Roman, you need to make sure you take time. You need to decompress, like get yeah. away and like, <clears throat> don't do anything, especially if you can afford to take the time. Yeah. Don't do anything. So what I, what I really want to get to is, um, one of the old school savvy
3: vets, the wisdom that you have, very knowledgeable about the game
4: of football. Why in the hell do you get into TV instead of coaching? <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, that means I get to share it with more people. I Honestly, um, you know, as a coach, um, my dad's a coach, so I, coaching's in my blood. I, I don't deny that, and I know yeah. I could be a good coach, but I, I don't want to give, continue to give football my all, my whole, my whole heart, and my emotions, yes. because I know what it takes to win, and I know you got to be all in, and I mm-hmm. know when I lose, what I'm like. I'm not always pleasant. I understand I'm, I'm not perfect. But for me, just to be able to talk the game has been so much more pleasant because I get to be around the game all the time. Especially being in, the, you know, working with the SEC Network, I'm I'm talking college football all the time, and so college is just the gateway to the NFL. And you know, I get to be around the game. I get to travel on the weekends. I got an awesome gig with the network, and it's been mm-hmm. really cool. But I always believed that the the media was the enemy. Like that's what I was taught. You know, you got to be careful what you say to the media. Me too. You got to be careful with what you give them because they're going to change it and put it and twist it however they want to. And that's not who you want to be with. They were like the dark side, and now I'm part of the dark side. So it's a little – Some of them are evil. I know. Most of them are not it's, evil. It's, most of most them. Most of
3: them are not evil. I will apologize to all those yeah. reporters – but when you're a young 22 year old in the league, you're you're taught like, yeah, hey, that's the enemy. <laughs> they are the enemy. Yeah. Like, stay they stay away. Don't tell them nothing. <laughs> yeah. As I got older, I got to know a few of a few media personnel in Chicago Yeah. and was like, this person had my number and like I could give them an interview, but it was real and they could critique me professionally, and it didn't make it personal or anything yeah. like that. But there is, uh,
4: there's a, there's a few people that are in it for themselves. My only thing is that I can be critical, but as long as I'm, I'm fair, right? I'm fair yeah. and I'm honest. And as long as I tell it from what my eyes see, then, like, how can you be mad? Fans take it personal, but players and coaches don't. There's they're just so much better about all that.
3: We got something in common with Louisiana, right? I, I went to school there. You played there professionally. And recently I got inducted to the Louisiana sports hall of fame. Mm-hmm. And then you got inducted into the, uh, saints hall of fame. Yep. I was mad that I didn't actually get a ticket to the, to the event. Cause I wanted to see you at the event. I went to the, I went to the party that you had yeah. and it was dope. Had an amazing time. Thank you. Amazing. I held your son the whole night. I put him to sleep. <laughs> I just rocked him to sleep. Um, Tell me about that night. Tell me about that experience.
4: Dude, it was cool. And the best thing about it was that it was a celebration of me and that all my accomplishments and that I actually felt appreciated by the the organization that turned their back on me. And then I got to come back three years later and kind of let bygones be bygones. And then all of a sudden they give you your flowers. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I was very appreciative of that, that I got to go in while I'm still um, here also, my kids are a little bit older, and they actually understand it, and they appreciate it. And they actually really, really thought it was cool. Like my son, for my older son for the first time was like, Dad, you're like good. Like to him, I'm just dad because he never got to see me play ball. But he was like, right. man, you, you're like good, Dad. Like that's really cool. Like so I actually appreciated that. I appreciated that I got to take a picture with even Soul because he was just born. Uh, he was a baby, but he was still there. And so I got this picture, and so I have this memory. And for me, it was more important to thank those and to be proud and talk about those that actually put and invested into Roman. Um, But for me, it was more of a celebration about my parents, my wife, my kids, my family, and really talking about all that they meant to me and that I wanted to celebrate them in this time when everybody wanted to celebrate me. So for me, that's what it was all about, Peanut. And um, it's really special. I got some pictures from it, but other than that, dude, yeah. It was just good to have another party with my homies. I mean, Chicago place needs place to do theirs right, the bro, so then you can get yours too, and hopefully you'll be in the Hall of Fame and I get to go there to Canton with you and celebrate you and yours. So that that's all I care about, bro. It's just, you know, the relationships that this game allows us to have is way more important right. than any play, any tackle, any interception that you'll ever remember because those are the things that you carry with you. Like you can take a game ball, but it's just on the wall. It's just. Yeah, yeah. No doubt. But look,
3: we got we to gotta pay some bills, and when we come back, we'll come back with some quick quicker questions.
0: Hey, guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball. We do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds are like, You know who's really good Creighton? You do watch Creighton.
1: Prudential knows that no community is a monolith, and we all have unique financial needs. With black community partners across the nation, Prudential has a remarkable history of supporting communities and institutions that have been overlooked for far too long and are making a tangible impact. This includes their home city of Newark, where they're actively engaged in building stronger financial foundations. They are dedicated to offering equitable financial services that cater to diverse individual requirements while recognizing our shared goal of wealth building. For instance, they've pledged a staggering $1 billion to programs, partners, and initiatives focused on historically excluded communities. It's not just about dreaming anymore. It's about turning those dreams into reality by creating blueprints for generational wealth. Power the dreams of our communities today and future generations tomorrow. Learn more and build your financial blueprint today at prudential.com slash blueprints.
4: Peanut, two-part question for you. What trait do you believe best defined you as a player in the NFL? The other part of it is, what trait best defines you now? Is it the same trait or is it a different trait? I would say uh, my
3: my superpower or trait would be manifestation yeah okay we've talked about this a little bit yeah go ahead i could manifest whatever whatever i thought Mm -hmm. whatever i could think of or dream or whatever whatever goal i would set i i obtained it if it was something that i i truly and i truly wanted whether it be uh a a, a pro bowl you know something individual based that i could um make it happen i could make it happen and for the most part, all individual goals. You know, I wanted to get a master's degree. I wanted to graduate in three and a half years. I wanted to get drafted on the first day. I wanted to run a four I wanted to make a Pro Bowl. I wanted to be all first team all pro. I wanted all all these things that I I told myself I, I would manifestate this thing in my my goals in my brain and i i i obtained them so i got a i got a silly 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 question for you when did you start developing gray hair
4: <laughs> um <laughs> in eighth grade i got my first gray hair according to my barber um he told me um he was cutting my hair he's like dude you got a gray hair up here in the back and i was like how there's no way he's like oh yeah i'm telling you i'm up here it's gray I was like, well, are you going to pull it out or something? Like, you got to get rid of it, right? He's like, no, no, no. I heard that's bad luck. Like, if you do that, like, two or three more come. So I was like, all right, well, just, you know, don't worry about it. Like, it's just one of them. And they literally been coming in ever since then. So whatever it is in, what, 13, 14? 13, 14, Yeah, gray got hairs. gray hair. And so that's why I've never dyed it. I won't do it because everybody that knows me since eighth and ninth grade have known me with gray hair or a little bit of gray hair and I don't I never wanted them to be like oh Roman made it oh he changed when I, I we, got a when gray I met beard you with, when I met you at PAL I thought you were the 13 year vet I know I, swear. I know I was like wait he
3: you look like Obama you look like President Obama after one term so
4: the funny thing is bro is that so you know you win the Super Bowl this is another little great story we got to get this in real quick so cuz you bring up Obama we win the Super Bowl All right. When the Super Bowl, Obama comes up to me, is like, hey, um," he daps me up. He's like, oh, you must be the old guy on the team. I'm like,
0: oh, no, no." like
4: not (laughs) everybody in the room dies laughing because I was just my fourth year in the league, bro. And he was like, oh, you must be the old guy on the team. Like, okay, man, I see you. I'm like, no, not at all. Like, not at all, sir sir i um, I, I don't think you've ever told me that story literally it's a wrap then the whole room died laughing so then he keeps walking shaking guys hand he meets one of my guys remy adele who had like this crazy mohawk like straight mohawk straight up and he was like hey at least you ain't got this guy's haircut i was like yeah i said yeah you know you you kind of looking like me though you know me real talk because he started going real gray at that time too hey man so Hey, look, man, I felt cool because Barack said more to me than he had said to anybody else. All right. I got another one for you. Earlier in this season, we did a a sit down and was on the podcast with Thomas Q. Jones. And so he thinks he deserves a lot more credit. I think he deserves all the credit for you perfecting the peanut punch. Right. Uh, Right. You know, he said you would just constantly chase him down. It was all these other things. We got some video. I want to pull up the video for it. I want you to take a listen. And then tell me what you think. All right. I think some of the peanut punch, I deserve some of the credit for that because, <laughs> because I have uh actually I have nerve damage in my both of my elbows because he punched of him punching the ball out of my arms in practice every day, chasing me down. Um, you know, so he practiced a lot of that peanut punch on me and irritated me a lot, but he also helped me make sure I'm holding on to the ball so we helped mm-hmm. each other.
3: Yeah. He's he's not lying. I I think he and every other uh, offensive person on the Bears, Carolina as well, they helped me perfect that peanut punch. It was something that I don't know. I was just, just thinking outside the box, trying to be different. You know, I I wasn't the the big guy to hit you to separate you from the ball. I'm gonna just punch it out. My very first NFL game. Um, I got a I got a peanut punch. I forced a fumble. It was something that I was I was intentional about doing it all the time. It was just I thought about it. It was on my mind. It was get the ball out, get the ball out. It was respect for your head coach to literally walk over to him like, Hey, I need you to get the ball back right now. We gotta win
4: this game. Also another way to say I it is like that it. Sean Payton, when we were in New Orleans, literally playing against Chicago Bears. He's like, look, guys, this week. No yak. I don't need anybody getting any extra yards. This guy, Peanut Tillman, I don't want to see the ball on the ground. I don't want to see it. And you still got the ball out. So it was like... Reggie Bush. Yeah, it still got the ball out. So it it just was one of those things. It it, it irritated a lot of people. Yeah, Peanut, I got one more question, and then I'm going to be done with you. Then you can ask me questions if you want to. When Charles Peanut Tillman is an old, crusty, ashy knuckle-having guy, what would you like people to say about Peanut Tillman's football career? I would like
3: them to say that Charles Peanut Tillman was a guy who didn't talk a whole lot, he didn't give the greatest speeches, but he came to work every day with his helmet and his lunch and he just worked. You know, he he wasn't the biggest, he wasn't the fastest. He was a, an underdog in life, and he always came out on top because he put the work in. Loved his teammates, would do anything for his teammates. Because that's that's to me, that's what this game's about. This it really is it's about team and family. I would I would I would hope people would just say he was the ultimate team player. Same same to you. When you're bald, because you're already old and crusty, what are people gonna say about what are, What are people gonna say about Roman Harper?
4: Scene. um for me um what i would love for them to say is that um that i was a, a pros pro that yeah you know i was a constantly doing mm-hmm. the little things right i studied i work hard um and that if i was a pro like that's the ultimate compliment for me is that uh man he was a real pro he was a dude um and i'm fine with that
3: you know how we do the mount rushmore in in in, in the past Who's on your Who's on your personal Mount Rushmore?
4: Well, I got to put my dad up there because he was the first one to wear, to wear number forty-one, and uh, yeah. and I didn't even know that. And he's just a great dude. We've become so much closer as we've both gotten older, uh, yeah. just because I'm no longer just like his little son. Um, mm-hmm. You know, now he looks at me like a man with responsibility. Um, and I can't have my dad like up that. there without my mom. Um, and then probably my wife because she's been my biggest fan. She's my hardest critic, and then I would probably say it'd be unfair to put one of my coaches up there without the others. Uh, coach Clark, my high school coach, means the absolute world to me, but I would just pick the the University of Alabama up there instead, because I'm so okay. roll tied through and through. Like that's where I'm from, that's the state I'm at. Like it just it means so much to me. So it's all in my background mm-hmm. right now. Uh, so I, I would say those would be my four: So mom, dad, my wife and the University of Alabama. Okay.
3: Who's on your, did you, you
4: tell me your personal, your Mount Rushmore?
3: Um, my dad, and I'm not, I swear I'm not comping you. Yeah, but... Uh, my dad was, we're my, my, pops was in the, my pops was in the military, mm-hmm. and as a kid, I thought my dad was roadblock from G.I. Joe. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I yeah. just thought it was the coolest thing, him being in the Army and us moving overseas. So my, my pops was my... My pops was my hero, yeah. still is to this day, love him to death. My mom, for her caring and loving personality and just, I'm a mama's boy. Yeah, for sure. Me too. And she she kind of gave me that grit. So those are two. I'd say number three would be a good friend of mine named John Wright. A great mentor, taught me a lot about the whole mental toughness I think the last one is Jackie, I would say, because I think she's challenged me in so many ways yep. that I didn't know. And when I played, she would, you know, she would send me these texts and it would just say, be amazing. And I don't think I really noticed how powerful those were yeah. until I stopped getting them because I stopped playing. Yeah, Biggest critic, didn't always want to hear it, but they're right. She was right. She is right. And yeah, biggest biggest critic, I would say her. Okay. And yeah. That being said, we talk a lot offline. I think I know what this will be, but I want you to fill in the blank with this one. Right now, my life is blank.
4: I would say a blessing, and it's pretty it's really truly because um you know, I'm a daddy daycare guy. You know me. I, in my opinion, bro, I'm top three, top five dad in the country. Like, and right now, not having football, I'm all in on being a a, a basketball dad. I take pride in enjoying that every single day. Um, I love picking my kids up. I love being involved, and uh, all I'm trying to do is just be the best version of myself every day. I don't worry. I don't blame myself for all the mess ups anymore. So that's what I would say, man. My life is a blessing. Uh, I would ask yeah. the same thing. Your life, Peanut Tillman's life today is. I'm comfortable. Um, I don't always know if that's a good thing. No,
3: it's because I'm I'm growing. I'm evolving. I'm, you're learning to be I'm
4: comfortable. S- is that what you're saying? That which is a-
3: no, no. I'm comfortable now. Okay. I'm 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 comfortable in the in the space that I'm in.
4: And well, it, I, I like that because for a long time you're rat racing it. You don't know if you're trying to do this, you're trying to do that. You're chasing yeah. these things, and for you to say that I'm comfortable is a good thing. It's a good thing. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. All right. Well, I, good. I'm comfortable. Well, Peanut, thanks. Thank you for having me, and uh, thank you Likewise, for coming man. on to my podcast and letting <laughs> me uh, interview you. So I appreciate it. Thank you to all the listeners out there. Me and Peanut probably went a little long. Hopefully we can edit this thing down. If can't, who cares? Tune in next week. It'll be even better. All right. I want to ask you guys to spread the word. Talk, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell another friend to come out. Check us out. Listen to us. Give us a rating, a review, and make sure you hit that button. Follow on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you listen to your your podcast, iHeartRadio app. So thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you later. Peace.
1: Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 4 24 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a straight-talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto-pay discount. If you're ready for an epic family vacation, there's no better place than sunny Orlando. Exciting thrills, never-ending food festivals, fresh new dining experiences, outdoor adventures, and Florida's natural springs, and so much more. Orlando has it all. And visit Orlando's vacation planners can help you plan the perfect trip. In Orlando. Orlando anything is possible, if you can imagine it. And that's what makes Orlando unbelievably real. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com.